with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we are breaking down the 8-Man game week in and week out. It is the quarterfinal edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined, as always, by the coach, Lane Kirkland at Cary High School. What's up, Coach Kirkland? How are you? Hey, doing well. Glad to be here tonight. Let's talk some football. <laughs> That's right. We were talking a little baseball before we hopped on uh, earlier tonight. We were watching the World Series as we're recording this on Wednesday evening. And and you admitted, Coach, you're not a huge baseball nut, but you'll tune in during the World Series. Yeah, I always like watching finals. So it's good stuff. Competitive, Competitive stuff is good. And let's introduce now the guy who immediately took umbrage at that statement. It's our own Will Henneke. Will, what's going on? I'm I'm gonna convert you, Coach Kirkland. I'm gonna make you a baseball guy. I mean, I, I love football, I love hockey, but I'm a baseball coach. So we'll uh we'll have you up when Parma goes to the three A state tournament this year and we'll we'll sit and we'll watch it. Beautiful. I have a Mountain Dew hat. Maybe you send me one of the Parma hats. We'll go. Let's go. I'll, I will make sure you have a Parma hat. I will make <laughs> sure. All right. Um. Uh, yeah. Paul Paul Kingsbury, uh, the head the head honcho at IdahoSports.com. He's been like Chris Kringle lately. Been handing out gifts left and right, Coach. He gave you that nice Mountain Dew hat. He got me this. Let's try and hold it up so everybody can see. Ooh. Yeah, beautiful. A little Boston Red Sox uh, framed photo collage. Take that logo off the front, and it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, yeah, that's enough baseball talk. All the uh, all the football fans are like, oh come on, guys. <laughs> Let's yeah, get people to have already it. logged out. <laughs> yeah, we we already lost the audience two minutes in. So uh, it is the quarterfinal edition. And of course, uh, last week was the first round of the playoffs. We always start the eight-man prep cast with our game of the week. Uh, maybe not the most exciting matchup on paper going in, but the game that just turned out to be the most exciting, fun, compelling, down-of-the-wire matchup. Will, we didn't have one this week. There was no game of the week because every single first-round game was decided by double digits at least um there was kind of a big disparity between the winners and the teams that didn't win in the opening round of the playoffs yeah even one of the games that ended up being close valley and potlatch potlatch had to really work their butts off just to get back in the game they were down 30 to nothing at one point and credit to coach ball and his kids from potlatch they scrapped and and they they did their best to make things interesting but when you're in a 30 point hole even in the eight man game coach you can speak to that you know there there are de- there are deficits that are very doable and there are deficits where it's like okay we need a lot to go right to to get back into this one yeah, yeah coach what is go ahead yeah for sure uh, 30 points is uh kind of a comfortable lead so to speak uh in an eight man game but uh to rally in the end there like they did so shows they got some heart there and to continue to fight through and uh, and finish their season the best that they possibly could uh, says a lot about the Loggers. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Coach. Uh, in the eight man game, it's it's hard sometimes to figure out okay what's a safe lead and what isn't because I mean we saw with Clark Fork two weeks ago you know down twenty with eight minutes to go that lead wasn't safe. So when did you as a coach 
obviously when the clock hits zero, this is when you're finally able to relax. But in terms of score margin and time left in the game, was there a magic number where you felt like, okay, I feel pretty good? Yeah, we, we always set it at 30. I set it at 30 and I really didn't allow my coaches to do any substitutions before we naturally hit that mark. Um, especially if it was late in the game or, and, uh, and we could sub if it was early, but 30 was, a kind of the number that I, I felt more comfortable with, but you never know sometimes. <laughs> you never do. So I, I kind of like 30. Cause like I said, I, I've seen 20 point deficits evaporate like that. So 30 does seem to be a pretty good number. And there were certainly some 30 plus point victories that we'll get to, but let's just dive into it. We'll, we'll kind of go through each bracket one, a D one, and then one, a D two. We'll kind of talk about the first round matchup. And then because everybody had buys that all the champions had buys, we can kind of preview. Okay. This team won. here's who they play. It'll be a nice uh, flow to the proceedings. So Let's start with that 1A D1 bracket. Again, your four district champions all received buys in the opening round. That would be Oakley from District 4, Notice from District 3, uh, from District 2, that's Logos, and then from District 5 and 6, that is Butte County. Now, just because they were the top four seeds or the four district champions does not mean that they automatically get the top four seeds, as we'll find out quickly with notice but i wanted to start with that matchup where it's notice the eight seed playing oakley the one seed will notice is a district champion but because it all gets reseeded according to max preps they were the eighth lowest out of eight remaining teams so for a district champ they will have to hit the road and play at number one oakley friday night six o'clock on idahosports.com good luck that's that's a really tough draw for coach woodland and the pirates they've been a little bit banged up all year uh, Gunnar Campbell, I, I don't know that he ever played at all. Benny Guevara missed time. Um, they've been a little bit beat up, but to their credit, they still found a way to get it done. But now you got to go to Oakley. And I mean, you want to talk about a team with almost an embarrassment of riches as far as ways that they can beat you. Kyler Robinson can pick you apart throwing the ball. Bryce Severe can run the ball. That defense is is tough to move the ball on. That, it, it has the potential, you know, if, if notice does not come out swinging from the get-go, if they're tentative in the least little bit, uh, that has the potential to be a game that can get away from them pretty quickly. Yeah, how important is it for notice to get off the bus and, and get rolling right from the jump, Coach? Yeah, that, uh, it's going to be extremely important uh, to, uh, to give their best shot right off the top and believe and just go for it and, uh, and lay, their, lay their best on the field to start with and then go from there. I mean, nobody can say notice isn't prepared. They they knew knowing what kind of district they were playing in this year. They challenged themselves with a hard schedule. They just played Valley in their regular season finale. Now that's a game that Valley won and then Oakley beat Valley. So you can kind of do the score comparison. But when it gets to the playoffs, it's, it's a complete blank slate. It is a tough way for a district champion to um, to go here, Will. Do, do you like this where okay, you're a district champion, all you're guaranteed is a first-round bye. You may have to hit the road or be a lower seed. Or do you like, hey, you won your district and that means something and you get a home playoff game? I think the bye is what means something um, because especially, uh, and it's easy for me to say from my ivory tower over here, but uh, when you are a little bit beat up and you are a little bit shorthanded, sometimes that extra week to just catch your breath and prepare for that quarterfinal matchup 
um, that alone can be a pretty good reward, uh, in, in my opinion. What do you think about this coach? Uh, I'm, I'm a favor of just, uh, playing straight through. I'd rather have had a game the week before to keep them, the engine running hot and rolling, but, uh, it will help, uh, I think notice get a little bit more prepared to meet uh, a great Oakley team as they go on the road. Um, Oakley, the same as well, though, will be uh, running hot, um, even though they had a week off. And I know that they'll be excited to hit the field again and tackle somebody uh, new and <laughs> block somebody new, you know. So it uh, it should be a good matchup. But I, I think Oakley is uh, a favorite there and uh, very hungry and ready to, uh, to go into that bracket strong again. Yeah, it should be an interesting matchup. I guess where I fall on this is it's cool to get the first round by. I think if you're a district champion too, you should you should get a home playoff game. I I, I think notice being the four seed as the fourth district champion, I I like that personally. It gives those fans one more time to watch their district champion team at home. But I think I'm probably in the minority on that sentiment. So if we've got Oakley and notice both coming off of first round buys playing each other, that means we must have a matchup somewhere where two teams who played opening weekend will now face off. And it's the game right below them on the bracket line. Number five, grace at number four, Cami. Let's start with the Cubs because they came out and looked very impressive against Idaho City. They win 56 to 22, coach. I mean, they were up 56 nothing. Idaho City scored three touchdowns late. Tell Jewel, Trey Martini, Ruari Mulry all scored for Idaho City late. But this is a Cameo team that's got really good balance. And and look at some of the the rushing totals here, coach. Connor Weddle 144 yards, three touchdowns on only six carries. Colton O'Kane, 117 yards and a touchdown on only 10 carries. Quarterback David Clute rushes for 75 yards and a touchdown, and he was four of six passing for 62 yards and a touchdown to Tug Logren. I mean, when you are averaging 20, 30 yards a carry, you're having short possessions, but you're building up that lead quickly. Yeah, it uh, looks like they made uh, took advantage of every uh, play that they called. Every play was a good play, a solid play, a big play, um, almost a touchdown, it seemed like there with that quick scoring right there. And so I think that builds a lot of confidence in you for the next week, that your execution is clean, even though you know you're going to have a uh, probably a, a stiffer opponent. Um, it does build some confidence and help you know that you can get big plays anytime you want, uh, maybe against anyone. And Will, we've we've been singing the praises of Porter Whipple all year long. I'm not sure there's a better defensive player in eight-man football. I mean, he showed up again. Uh, he finishes with seven tackles, two sacks, and a fumble recovery for the Cubs in this victory. Oh yeah, he's he's a beast. And uh, I've I've been in <clears throat> Camille's corner mo- most of the season. Well, pretty much all season. Um, you know, expected him to be here. Uh, I, I got to give my due to, to Grace against Kerry in that first round matchup. Uh, I was really impressed with with Grace. They just they kept Kerry at arm's length. Uh, they made the switch to go to Gavin Draper at quarterback. He made some things happen, and defensively, I thought they did a really really nice job against Kerry and never really let the Panthers uh, in too close, if you will. Um, Going to be a little bit a little bit different story against Kamii, a team that themselves has only given up you know, less than two touchdowns per game on average. And you already went through the 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 litany of, of ways that they can hurt you on offense. So, um, you know, I, I like Kamii, but I, I think Grace is going to give him a heck of a ball game. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. Grace beats Carey 28-6 to six in the opening round last week. Coach, Carey scored late 
Uh, quarterback Preston Wood scored on a one-yard touchdown run, but that came after a big, like, 80-85 yard run by Stockton Sears and a touchdown saving tackle basically made it the goal line by Grace. Um, but Grace made the the move to to take Braden Kimball, who had been playing quarterback most of the year, and they move him out to wide receiver. Gavin Draper, the sophomore, plays QB, and it works out pretty well. He ran for a score. He threw a touchdown pass to Kimball. He also threw a touchdown pass to Kobe Rindless Baker, and then Wyatt Cutler scored on the ground to account for the four grace touchdowns. But interesting late season move. And I don't know if it was Gavin Draper wasn't available all year long or, and he just came back or if this is a move they made, but it's always interesting when there's a quarterback change, right? When the playoffs start. Yeah. 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 Talked with his dad just a little bit at the cross country state track meet. And he was pretty proud that his, uh, Son had, had uh, been awarded that position. To, I did watch the game film, and Gavin did look uh, pretty smooth. He ran the option clean and well and looked like he knew what he was doing. So he must have been taking some reps somewhere along the way. But uh, he, he did uh, do a really good job there as a sophomore. So interesting move for sure. And, Will, this kind of seems like classic grace. They like to play things kind of close to the vest. They don't want a lot of information about their team getting out there. Uh, this kind of seems right in line with that, right? All of a sudden, you're preparing for one kid, and it's another kid under center. Yeah, and it, and it worked. In this instance, it, it worked. You know, they had to take on a team. Kerry came in with a little bit of momentum. They made the switch, and they made some plays early uh, to, to get the ball and to get those touchdowns. And, and then they just turned it over to the defense. The Cleggs, um, Kimball, Wyatt Cutler, I don't know what his official tackles were, but he had to be somewhere in the 12 to 15 range in terms of his tackles. Uh, their their defense, after a couple weeks of really taking it on the chin against Kendrick and Butte County, their defense answered the bell big time. Now, this game will be played. It's Grace at Kamei at Kamei's Field, Friday night, 6 o'clock Pacific time kickoff. Uh, there was rumors all week. There's there's a doubleheader happening inside the Kibbe Dome in Moscow that we'll talk about. But the rumors were, <clears throat> excuse me, the rumors were that it was going to be a triple header with Kamei. Well, Kamei says, no, nah, forget that. We want to play outside. <laughs> we, we want Grace to come play in the cold and the wind and the muck. And Coach Kirkland, I mean, I love it. It worked for Kamei last year when Butte County had to come up and play them. Can they get a win two years in a row over a team from the East playing outdoors at their field? Kamei is dangerous outside, aren't they? Man, yeah. they just they just do amazing things, and uh, it has worked to their advantage. And uh, I, I see it working again this year. They just to just bring it to the harshest conditions possible and play manly football out there in the in the cold and the mud. And uh, I, I think they're looking good. They, they seem strong. They seem steady. I think that's a key uh, this late in the year is to be steady uh, with your offense and defense and to hold whole opponents as to as few amount of points as they have. It says a lot. And I think Grace is going to have their hands full and have to really uh, be error free to come out with the win in this one. Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. I like Kamei at home. Grace has got to make the long trip. Plus, Will, there's the revenge factor, right? These two teams met in the semifinals last yeah. year in Holt Arena inside. Uh, Kamei had some turnovers. Grace took advantage. And so Kamei wants payback here. Oh, absolutely. And they've had a tremendous season. You kind of forgot about them after they lost that game to Logos. They kind of slipped off the radar momentarily but you know you look at what they've done all year that's really their only hiccup they have been outstanding other than that and if your only you know blemish if you will is you know you lost to the number two team in the state 
that's that's a pretty decent resume. And and their defense has been incredible. They got a bunch of different ways they can hurt you on offense. And if the if the weather is inclement at all, which I know it might be around here in the in the Boise area a little bit. I don't know if that extends up north or not, uh, up into kind of that central central Idaho area. But if the weather is inclement, and I mean you're turning this into a a Connor Weddle versus a Wyatt Cutler game. I mean, you want to talk about 1950s football. It's you know just power football, and then that becomes um, a battle of a battle of wills and a battle of execution. Coaches, you're so fond of saying, you know, who takes care of the football if the weather's not good and the track is not good, possessions are going to be at a real premium. Yeah. So here's the weather forecast, guys. Camei on Friday, partly cloudy. Temperature going to be in the 30s, maybe the 40s. Okay, that's no big deal. But starting Wednesday night and pretty much all day Thursday, it's going to rain. And it is just going to hammer on that field. And so will it be dried out in time? Hard to say, Coach. It could be a muddy mess. It'll be interesting. I'll have to tune into that one. That'll be fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just say get some extra Tide Pods to watch those uniforms when the game is all finished up for sure. Or just throw them away. Or just say we're getting new (laughs) uniforms next year. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. So that's the top half of the bracket. Let's go to the bottom half where Butte County is the two seed. They will take on Valley inside Holt Arena in Pocatello. This will be Friday night at 8.15. So it's the late game on Friday night. And this game will be on IdahoSports.com. I don't know if we mentioned, but notice at Oakley will also be on IdahoSports.com on Friday. Um, Valley beat Potlatch in that opening game. Will, you kind of touched on it where... They win 30 to 16. They built up a 30 nothing lead. Potlatch then tried to rally late with a pair of touchdown passes from Jack Clark to Benton Breeze and then a 73 yard touchdown to Ben Johnson. But they just ran out of time. You know, it's one of those classic if the game was five quarters, then maybe Potlatch has enough time to come back, but they just dug themselves too big of a hole. Yeah, Valley did a great job those first three quarters. Potlatch is a good football team. You don't go up on them by, you know, 30 rip on accident. And uh, they did a really nice job, you know, Josh Hardy managing the offense. Uh, Thomas Vargas had a great game. And and if you haven't seen it yet, he has a fumble return, quote unquote, fumble return for a touchdown where he meets the ball carrier in the backfield, basically just takes it away from him, just pulled it away from him and then ran 40 yards the other way for a touchdown. I mean, that's, that's a big time play there. And, And Valley's been really impressive this year. I don't know. Uh, outside of Hazleton, that general area, I, I don't know how many people had high expectations for Valley. And this is a tough assignment. Make no bones about it. Butte County is legit. Um, but Valley deserves to be here. They've played well enough to to earn their way here. And, and I know that Sam Thorngren and his staff up in Arco are not going to take this opponent lightly. Yeah, so Vargas, you mentioned, had that fumble return for a touchdown. He also scored on offense on a nine-yard touchdown run. Aaron Damian scores on a touchdown run, and then Josh Hardy throws a nine-yard touchdown pass to, to Nathan Christensen. So, Coach, we talked about all year. It's the Josh Hardy show, the Josh Hardy show. And Valley's saying, no, we've got a lot of weapons where Josh Hardy leaned on everybody else to make plays. So that's got to give Valley some confidence moving forward also. It sure does, and uh, and great coaches make those kind of adjustments towards the tail end of the season, knowing that uh, one guy – can't really do it all, even though he can do a lot. That he's got to rely on his, his buddies there, and uh, 
that's a, a good sign that Valley is uh, making some of those adjustments toward the end there and, and ready to, to, to take on the Pirates. But, uh, it, uh, it's going to be a war over there. Um, I know that Sam has those guys rallied and ready to go. I know they have a purpose and, uh, and, a, and a reason maybe it's greater than any in the state right now to, uh, to play hard. And uh, I, I think that they're going to give them, uh, Valley's going to give them a good run, but I think Butte uh, County is my pick in, in that matchup. Yeah, of course, Butte County is rallying around uh, Dylan Waymeyer, their teammate who continues to, uh, you know, fight the medical emergency he suffered in that Kendrick game several weeks ago now, and and money's still pouring in and schools showing their support. Uh, even outside of football, you know, Butte County played in some volleyball matches and the opposing schools donated money and it, it, the community outreach uh, for Butte County is, is incredible. Will, uh, the other thing I was encouraged by for Valley is they won a low scoring game, right? 30 to 16. Right. They had, they kind of had the low scoring game with, I think it was carry right? Eight to six earlier this year, but otherwise it's been shootouts for Valley. And so yeah. I, because the, you figure Butte County has got a really good defense and it's probably not going to be a shootout. It's probably going to be a low scoring game. Um, I, that, that's that's a good question um, in that I, I think you're right. I think that uh, Brian Ayers and his staff, they've got to be pretty pleased with the fact that they held a good potlatch team off the scoreboard for, you know, three plus quarters before potlatch made their little push late. That's a very positive sign, but going up against Butte County, that's a, that's a tall order. You know, that's another team that made a quarterback switch late in the year. Keaton Archibald coming in, Razor Duke, uh, switching into the backfield, but um, you know, with Brody Westergaard and and with Razor Duke, and and you go up and down the list, they have a bunch of weapons too. So the key to the game might be can Valley force Butte to go the long field, force them to sustain a ten or eleven play drive, and don't give them those big gash plays where a game can turn real fast from you know zero zero to twenty four zero if you're not careful. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think we all lean Butte County in this matchup. Uh, the depth, the the strength of the defense, the strength of the running game. Um, but, you know, good luck to Valley, and we'll see if they can continue to to surprise people uh, on the road at Holt Arena. Our final matchup is also inside. It's in the Kibbe Dome in Moscow on Friday at 4 o'clock. little afternoon kickoff. It is number six Murtaugh against number three Logos. This game will also be on IdahoSports.com. Gentlemen, I will be at this game on the call. So I'm very excited to see Murtaugh for the first time this year with my own eyes. I've done Logos a couple of times this year up in North Idaho. Murtaugh played Lighthouse Christian last week. And if we were worried about like last year where they beat Lighthouse in the regular season and then lose to them in the playoffs, yeah, no worries. Uh, 64 to 26. Final score, coach. They ran for 426 yards as a team, and it was quarterback Sawyer Young who led the way. He had 221 yards and five touchdowns. That's pretty good production from the sophomore quarterback. Yeah, I listened to that uh, audio cast of that game and uh, just called his name over and over and over again. And uh, it's a three-headed monster over there going on with Young and Benitez and Merrick. I mean, uh, great, uh, great attacks, great backs shifty and tough and uh, if one's not doing it the other two are on it and uh, really some really good options and uh, honestly a really good line that's in front of them as well I, I expect Murtaugh to do really well in this game up north I think that they're hungry I, uh, I actually called old Jensen 
um, earlier today and, and asked what his thoughts were. And he says, we are motivated and we are ready to go on the road here and prove ourselves and uh, really excited to play in, in a dome. Yeah. Will, uh, on the, on the lighthouse side, Justice Schrader threw for 170 yards, three touchdowns. Johnny Millencamp caught two case van Lewin caught one Millencamp also led the way with 93 yards rushing. Um, but I think this was an eye opener where, okay. Yeah. Murtaugh beat lighthouse, but you know, let's wait to see if they really do it when it counts in the playoffs. Yeah. You can check that box. And I do think Murtaugh is, is a little bit of a team on a mission here. Uh, they're, their mission is going to be again. They they were pretty good defensively against Lighthouse Christian. I thought they did a nice job um, containing. I know the the weather, the elements were not one hundred percent perfect, but their defense did a good job, really limiting uh, a potent Lighthouse Christian offense. And you get to Junior Benitez, and you get Oscar Roberto along that defensive line, and I think they're going to have another tough challenge in the Kibbe Dome and their chances to win. Uh, much like Valley, it may hinge in their ability to make stops. I think offensively, uh, with Sawyer Young and Benitez and Merrick and uh, Brody Funk, who we've mentioned in, in past podcasts, I think they have the ability to put up points on just about anybody. Uh, they're going to have to make some stops, though. Um, they're going to have to make some stops because Logos, uh, you know, Jack Driscoll, if, if I had a vote, uh, I think he'd be my 1A Division One player of the year at this point. Uh, the quarterback, the dual threat quarterback, um, as one coach from the White Pine told me, if you know, if you haven't seen them, you know, Logos and watching them on film, and coach, you can speak more to this, watching them on film, and then as a player being out there on field level against them, two different things. He said they do some things that are tough. They do some things that are tricky, and uh, you're going to have to be sound assignment, and you're going to have to be a good tackling defense. Uh, because Driscoll in that offense is is pretty good. Yeah, Coach, I know we talked about this earlier in the year. <clears throat> this Logos offense is sort of unique where they have four wide receivers and then Driscoll is alone in the shotgun. Um, they'll have two slot backs off the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage, and then the two guards will be off the line of scrimmage, and then they'll call a signal or a play and sometimes both guards will go on the line and the slot backs will go off. Sometimes it's one guard on, one slot back off. Sometimes they bring a guy in motion and the slot backs wear like number 52 and like number 55. So it's kind of hard to keep track of. Are they linemen? Are they backs? It is an interesting offense that when it's when it's running correctly is very difficult to stop. How does Murtaugh, you know, face a unique look like this that they haven't seen in, in the regular season? You know, it always takes a little or a lot of extra time in practice to rep something new that you've never seen before. And uh, that can be a distraction. You have to remember a lot of uh, different, you know, those different sets and who's dangerous and, and what kind of play is going to come out of those uh, those sets that they arrange in motion or shift, whatever they call it. And uh, but they got a lot of bus time, a lot of windshield time on the way up. And if they're smart, they'll They'll study that uh, all the way up together and, and band together to prepare for a dangerous Logos team. It looks very fast, very efficient, and getting it done. Um, my question about Logos is, have they been challenged enough to be able to uh, to meet a good match here and see what happens in a playoff-style setting? And I think we'll find out here real soon. 
Yes, this is another one of those measuring stick games for the conferences as well, where the White Pine League, in terms of max preps, isn't viewed as as being as strong as District 4. Okay, so this is your White Pine champion taking on the second-place team from District 4. You know, this is a big statement for each of these leagues as well. Um, and for Logos, this is their first playoff experience. Murtaugh has been there and done that a little bit, so that will be a factor as well. I think Murtaugh's game plan is simple. Run the ball, run the clock, keep that Logos offense off the field, and um, we'll see. It's going to be a really fun game Friday, 4 o'clock, inside the Kibbe Dome on idahosports.com. All right, those are our 1A D1 matchups. Let's let's shift over to the 1A D2 bracket where, well, there was some interesting stuff that happened, um, and we'll get to it in a second because we're going to move from the bracket top to bottom. So let's start with Hagerman shutting out Mackey. 70 to nothing. Uh, this was pretty impressive from Hagerman to come out. They basically just ran their offense, built up a big lead. Martin Gonzalez rushes for five touchdowns in the victory. Wyatt Mavencamp, Kai Kendall each score a rushing touchdown. Mavencamp throws a touchdown to Kendall. And then Mavencamp also picked off a pass and took it back for six. So this is another game that I'll be on the call for. Uh, on Saturday, as Hagerman travels up to Mullen to play Mullen St. Regis, Saturday, 1 o'clock Pacific time kickoff on idahosports.com. I'll be on the call for it. So I've been studying Hagerman a lot this week, Coach, and I've noticed that they've got a good group of players, but, man, just about everybody starts both ways. So my question is, depth-wise, where are they at? Yeah, um, this will be a new experience for Hagerman, uh, obviously going this far on the road as well and being in the, in the playoff scenario, um, how, how good will they travel? How uh, good will they be against another strong opponent in Mullen St. Regis, who's been there over the last few years and has some experience. Uh, the coaches had some experience calling some, uh, some plays and going through those games. So we'll see how well Hagerman will travel on the, on the road there and conditioning could play a factor into that with a few number of players um, on, uh, you know, playing two ways. So if they condition well enough, they, they should compete pretty well with their size. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty interesting where almost everybody starts both ways. And so they really lean on their top end players, but they're all really good. You know, we talk about Wyatt Maven camp and Wyatt Hoskovec and Gonzalez and Kai Kendall and, you know, Alex Asher up front leading that offensive and defensive line. Yep. Um, it's, it's an impressive unit. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with their performance uh, last week. It wasn't, um, you know, I expected them to win that game. I didn't expect them to win at seventy rip. I, I didn't, you know, the fact that they went out and got it done and played as strong as they did with, you know, with no lapses, with no letdowns. That speaks pretty highly of that group of kids. But you know, going all the way up north to Mullen, where again weather could be a factor. You've been there before, Brandon. When the weather is been less than ideal that field can get pretty mucky can get pretty muddy and the tigers um you know with john pruitt and and the freshman quarterback connor lulis this is a team that knows how to play in, in inclement weather they know how to play there and it's a team that over the past several years has gotten just incrementally better a little okay we 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 stopped the skid well then we move forward well then we made the playoffs well then we won a playoff game so this is a team that isn't – they're not surprised to be here anymore. It's not a new story. It's not a novice, I can't believe they're here. This is a team that believes in itself. They have some history. They have some experience. And most of all, they have some talent. And and they get to welcome Hagerman in. So I really like 
um, Mullins uh, St. Regis's chance to get a to get a win. The uh, weather forecast in Mullen, gentlemen. Uh, it rained Tuesday. It rained and snowed Wednesday. Thursday, partly cloudy. Friday, rain snow mix. Saturday, a little bit of snow. We might have some snow flurries falling on Saturday, which I'm I'm here for as long as we're inside the booth. That's all. Well, I, I was going to say it's easy to be in for it when you're sitting, you know, <laughs> undercover. I I'll tell you though, last year I had to go up there to do that playoff game against garden Valley and the field was soaked and you've got to walk across that field to get to the, to the crow's nest. And my socks were soaked <laughs> walking across that waterlogged field. Uh, okay. I had cold feet. Yeah, I know. Everyone feels sympathetic for me. Would you? Very sympathetic. Um, Very sympathetic. Okay. Here's, here's the problem with Mullen St. Regis though. I talked to their coach Stetson Spooner earlier today. They are down five starters and really six starters. One kid has never played this year at all. Austin Zingler to the point where he's, he's not even on the roster, but they're down Alex Trogdon who got injured. He's been early for a while. Yep. Yep. Caleb Park is out good two way starter. They're missing James Rowe, who was a center and defensive end for them. They're missing Logan Pettit, who would be a good senior leader. And the most important guy to me guys is Blake Knoll the 340 pound nose tackle that I think could really help Mullen St. Regis control the line of scrimmage against this power rushing game of Hagerman, but he's out. Coach Spooner says, if we win this game, we might get him back for the next matchup, but we got to get there first. So this is a Mullen St. Regis team that is also with some serious depth concerns, coach. Yikes. That's a, that's a, a big lineup there. That's out. That's that's really going to hurt. But uh, they've, they've still gotten themselves there, and uh, I think they'll give them uh, give a good battle and uh, see where they they end up. And the coach will have to do some tricky things there. He's already got uh, some youngsters playing out there that are gaining some experience, and uh, we'll just have to see how that how it plays out there in the snow. Um, sometimes those big bodies, though, and in, in Hagerman, you know, they get a little bit better traction. Um, it's harder to get going, but uh, once you dig in, you you go pretty deep with those cleats, and big bodies seem to sometimes dominate in those muddy games. So, yep, we'll that's what out. happened. That's what happened last year when Garden Valley went up there to play. In fact, Coach Spooner told me he goes, "I look at this Hagerman team on film, and it, it's exactly like Garden Valley that we played last year." And of course, Garden Valley came up and won. So I think for them, the the game plan is uh, John Pruitt, Kofi Apia are going to run the football. Connor Lewis, freshman quarterback. He's the stepson of St. Regis coach Jesse Allen. And he's only a freshman, but he, you know, they say he's pretty good at taking what the defense gives him. And if he just plays within the system and doesn't try to, you know, make the hero play, uh, Mullen St. Regis thinks they have a shot. It's going to be tough. They're down a lot of starters, and Hagerman looks good. I think I'm going to lean the Pirates here on the road, but I would I would love to be proven wrong. And we'll see them actually welcoming Mullen after I made this prediction, guys. <laughs> I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Mullen St. Regis. I'm a believer in what Coach Spooner has done there, uh, and I think Apia and, and Pruitt, uh, as long as they're able to to kind of push that line forward three and four yards at a time, I, I think I think they'll get it done. I did tell Coach Spooner he's a big fan of the show, and I said, "Well, Coach, whenever your season concludes, I said we'd love to have you on to, to chop it up with us." And he said, "Absolutely." So, you know, stay tuned for that as well, because uh, Coach Spooner loves to loves to talk about the eight man game for sure. So that's our first matchup. Right below them, we have Kendrick, 
hosting a game at the Kibbe Dome in Moscow, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific time on IdahoSports.com. I'll be on the call for the game. They are hosting Dietrich, gentlemen. Dietrich went to council, the District 3 champion, last Thursday and knock him out 50 to 28. This was such an impressive win for Dietrich where council actually scores first Dalton Bingham scores on a three yard run, but then back to back fumbles on the next two possessions for council allows Dietrich to grab the 14 to eight lead. They never looked back after that will and Dietrich kind of grabbed the momentum and they never gave it back. Yeah. Coach Estelle and his players, incredibly opportunistic uh, council had three touchdowns called back because of penalties they had either three or four turnovers. Um, Dalton Bingham, the, the top running back, the top offensive weapon for Council, missed a good chunk of the game, was injured and was out a good chunk of the game. And Dietrich, uh, you know, no reason to apologize for it. You know, they just went up there and they took care of business. They played a good game and they got the win. It was a good win. Now, they're going to need to be opportunistic again against a Kendrick team that hasn't lost since Dwight Eisenhower was in office. And boy, I mean, that's it. I don't, I don't know what's left to be said about that Kendrick team that we haven't said, but you know, Dietrich, they've, they've got some kids that can play. They're not a bad football team, uh, but, but they're going to need to be opportunistic again, very opportunistic and, and cash in when Kendrick gives them something to cash in on, if they want to score the win uh, up in the, up in the Kimmy Dome. Coach, how impressed were you with Dietrich's opening round win on the road? I, I listened to that audio cast because I was very interested. I, I picked Council earlier because I thought they were doing well and uh, and they have done well all season. But uh, those mistakes and uh, Dietrich capitalizing on those is huge and getting touchdowns called back, taking points off the board. I mean, those, that right there is, is, is six touchdowns if you count those turnovers. That's that's a difference right there. And you got to add those things up and uh, you just got to be error free against a team that knows what to do and capitalize and has been there in the, in the playoffs over and over. And uh, congratulations to Dietrich. I was very impressed with that win. Um, not surprised after hearing the amount of turnovers that council had um, that, uh, that Dietrich won. And uh, they, they just know how to get it done when, when the playoffs come around and uh, got a good staff. They're intelligent. They're really smart dudes. They watch a lot of film. I know but, uh, congratulations to them, but also a good, uh, good, uh, star on the forehead to the, the council lumberjacks for a great season. And uh, I think they'll be back again for more next year. Yeah. It's a tough way to go for council, but they, they were the long pin champs. They finished the year six and four. It was a great season still for the lumberjacks. And now here's Dietrich six and three, uh, look kind of looking like last year's team, Connor Perkins, he ends up going 8 of 12 for 117 yards and three touchdowns. He also ran for 188 yards and two scores. So they've got the complimentary pieces, you know, Brody Torgerson and Wyatt Sneddon and Rain Rez and Chase Norman. But it is they really lean on Connor Perkins to facilitate a lot of the offense. And if Kendrick can key on him and get him contained, could be a long day for Dietrich, but this is a rematch of last year's championship game where Dietrich did almost beat Kendrick. So you never know, gentlemen, I still would lean Kendrick in this game, but Dietrich says, that's fine. You picked against us last week too. We'll just prove you wrong again. Yeah, no, I, I would expect Kendrick to win this game and I would expect them coach. You'll have to, you'll have to fill me in here. The, the, the parlance of, you know, say Dietrich splits two receivers out. 
you know, if I'm Zane Hobart, I'm putting my two corners out there man on man, and I'm putting the other six guys in the box. I'm playing a crowded front, and I'm basically saying someone other than Connor Perkins is going to beat me. And if someone else does, I'm going to tip my cap to him and say job well done, but I'm not going to let Connor Perkins do it. Yeah, I, I think the more frequently uh, Coach Hobart plays a team, the better he gets against them, and uh, I'm a victim of that. In the end, there uh, he he's a great coach. They have a smart staff, and uh, they will key on Perkins for sure. So um, if if uh, Coach Estelle has got some more rabbits to pull out of that the hat there to get the ball to the other players, I think he'll he'll put that in the playbook this week. Yeah, and of course, this is Kendrick's last year at the 1AD2 level. They're moving up uh, classification next year. I was talking to Coach Spooner about it. I said, you guys got to be glad to be rid of Kendrick finally. And he goes, yeah, I don't know, though. We're getting carry back. And so we're not like really thrilled about the trade-off because they're pretty good still. So that's how everyone is viewing it. Yeah, we're getting rid of Kendrick, but oh, dang it, Carrie's coming back. <laughs> yeah, so it'll, it'll be we're interesting. Excited. We're excited about that, but that if uh, the Kerry fans and the and coaches and players have really enjoyed playing in, in the D1 division with the level of competition, it has been a lot of fun. And, and uh, we're trying to have a schedule a few more of those games next year. Yeah, definitely makes you stronger as a program. Okay, last note on Kendrick, and then we'll move to the bottom half of the bracket. I did get a nomination for the all-name team here, guys, and it's somebody from Kendrick. Hang okay, on a second, because there was a kid on that roster that I remember looking at his name and say, by God, if I ever have to try to pronounce his name, I'm just going to make it up. I'm, yep. I'm going to call him like Jones or Smith or something, because there's no way on earth I'm going to be able to pronounce this. Is that the kid? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. And, and and I got the pronunciation from coach Hobart. So you guys tell me his name is rally Rotsisender. Rally Rotsis sender, but a but a, a kid named Rally in the game of football. Yeah, I think Rally gives him a definite in, but that that last name is giving me PTSD, man. That's that's, <laughs> Can I buy that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, well, and here here's how it's spelled, guys. I'll put it I'll put it up on the screen because it is really uh, it's a really interesting way to to spell it for sure. Um, but I, I liked the nomination, and I think it's probably a pretty good one. And especially, like we said, you know, the name Rally. But yes. when I was doing hockey, we had a we signed a new player named David D. Castroza, and his first game playing for the Steelheads, I must and he played for the team my, for my team, the team I was calling. I must have pronounced his last name fourteen different ways. I just <laughs> yeah, I had the yips, man. I saw it. And I'm like, God, don't pass it to DeCastroza or DeCastrizia or, or DeCasto. Just whatever you do, don't give it to 13. Oh, damn, 13 has it, you know, and 13 scored. Now what do I do? So, <laughs> yeah. I have, so, I have so never that, seen a name like that. that. That could go 14 ways right there for me too, Well, That's a lot of vowels. That's a <laughs> lot of vowels. R O E T C I S O E N D E R rally Rotsis sender. Um, and not only that coach Hobart says he's a great kid. He's a sophomore and probably going to be a two-way starter the next two years for Kendrick. So, uh, what do you guys think? Seventh rally. nomination. He's just going to be rally. He's, he's going to be Pele messy, you know, <laughs> insert single name guy here. He's going to be single name guy. All right. 
Rotsa Center just rolls off. Will come on. You Rotsa you can Center. you can have it, Coach. You can have it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Beautiful. So I. I I think we're in agreement, right? Rally Rotsa Sender, our seventh uh, seventh selection to the all-name team. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yep. You bet. Okay. That means there's one spot left on the all-name team with three weeks to go here. So we want to continue to get your submissions. You can send them to Brandon at IdahoSports.com. And again, the all-name team is Crash Taylor from Castleford, Razor Duke from Butte County, Lucky Matt from Lakeside, Rocky Sauce from Notice, we had uh, Madden. What's Madden's last name, Coach? From Kerry? Hertz. Hertz. Okay, Madden Hertz. That's what I thought. I didn't want to misquote. Like, like Perks. Oh, okay. Perks. Yeah. Perks. Perks. Okay. Oh, Madden. Carson. Carson's a little brother. Gotcha. Okay, Madden Perks uh, from Kerry. We just had Rally Rotsender from. See, you're hesitating Henry. already. <laughs> We just did the entire segment on it. You're already hesitating. And I'm calling the game on Friday, so I got to be ready for this. I'm going to be in the mirror doing reps. Rats is sender. Rats is sender. Uh, so, yeah, okay. We've got seven names here on the all-name team, and we'll take one more submission from you. You can send them to Brandon at IdahoSports.com. All right, let's move to the bottom half of this 1A-D2 bracket where Camas County gets the first round by. They will host Garden Valley. The Wolverines go up to Clark Fork last Friday. They win 54-36 to the final. This game was 21-14 to at halftime, guys, and I was freezing. I was on the call for this, and I was like, hey, low-scoring game. Maybe I'll get home at a decent... Then I looked at the final score. I'm like, how did this happen? 54 to 36. What happened here? Garden Valley played extremely well. Tacoma Kelly had five touchdowns. He had three touchdown passes, two to Max Yearsley, one to Tim Larson, two touchdown runs as well. Trevor Korn imposed his will, two touchdown runs. Um, and then really the key moment, two key moments in the second half. Clark Fork was hanging in as much as they could. It was fourth and goal from the 20 for Garden Valley. Kelly just throws it up to the end zone to Yearsley. He catches it for the touchdown, just a total backbreaker. And then Clark Fork does score to get within three scores. They try to kick an onside kick. Max Yearsley returns it 55 yards for a touchdown, and that was kind of the dagger, Coach. But, man, this is a Garden Valley team that's got a lot of athletes. Yeah, they just keep spreading it around, and uh, those names keep popping up um, in, in different uh, ways every single week. And uh, Coach Yearsley keeps calling good stuff. I mean, 54 points is, is a good score there. Um, and uh, to rally and, and to stay in it and to be challenged all the way through and to come out with a win on the road, that, that says a lot about the, the tradition that Garden Valley has in, in the late in the bracket here. And uh, they'll have to bring everything to bear in Fairfield this Friday and, and see if they can continue that. Yeah, on the flip side, Will, for Clark Fork, uh, Ethan Howard throws two touchdown passes to Chase San Roman, including one with no time on the clock right before halftime. Uh, Cole Mintkin scores three rushing touchdowns as well. And for Clark Fork, uh, second year in a row, they've gotten to the playoffs, and they're they're building a program there in Clark Fork. I'm really impressed with what, with what uh, first-year coach Patrick Young was able to do with this group. Yeah, nice little recovery down the stretch for him to, to get into the playoffs and then you know, they've got just on pure distance. I mean, Clark Fork, there aren't too many 1A, 1A communities in the state that are a tougher road trip, save maybe like a, a a Chalice or a Clark County maybe. But that's, 
you know, you're going from Garden Valley practically to Canada to play a football game. That's challenging. Um, and, and, you know, they did a nice job working their way into the playoffs. They earned it. They deserve to be there. Uh, and they just, you know, they just couldn't handle Garden Valley just had a little bit too much. Coach Jason Yearsley, uh, Coach Kirkland, you mentioned it, did a nice job uh, utilizing the weapons that he had, spreading it around, nice balanced offense. And, uh, you know, he's got a really good trigger man in Tacoma Kelly who can do a lot of different things on the field. Yeah, and Garden Valley is missing a couple of key, you know, receiver DB types in Caden Zimmer, who uh, had a shoulder injury midway through the year and hasn't really been in the lineup since. And then Zade Thompson as well, guys. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he had, I don't know if he's got a club on his arm or what's going on, but he had an injury to the point where he ran cross country this year instead of playing football because he could still run. Uh, and then he joined the football team once cross country season was over, but he still hasn't been able to, I mean, I didn't see him play at all on Friday night. I, I may have missed him, but missing those two guys, Will, it does put a little more emphasis on that running game with Tim Larson, the running back and Trevor Korn, the fullback. Yeah. And, and then Tacoma Kelly as well, calling his own number on quarterback draws and quarterback sweeps, but that's, that's the value of depth. You know, you never want to be that team that puts all your cards uh, in, in one, in, a, in on one guy and, and Garden Valley hasn't this year. And as a result, quarterfinal football, you know, it's, it's a tough draw for them. They've already been there. They know what they're going up against, uh, but they're still playing, you know? Yeah, they did play Canvas County earlier this year, coach. Uh, the Mushers won 50 to 12. What do you anticipate happening in this rematch? I anticipate uh, much of the same, to be honest. Uh, I think Camus is hungry, and uh, they are pre are prepared, and they know that uh, Garden Valley is, is a threat. I think they, they know their opponent a little bit better now, and have had a few more games underneath them to, to get prepared for this, but I think they're going to bring everything to bear against the Wolverines on Friday and come out with another pretty uh, decent victory, I believe. Yeah, this will be a Friday kickoff, 3.30 in Fairfield. True home game for the Mushers uh, at Camas County. And I was talking to their athletic director, Mike McCann, uh, I think it was either last year or the year before, and he said um, they've really done a good job of getting the elementary school students um, you know, fired up about musher football and, and getting them excited for, you know, coming to support the team and they'll form a line with the elementary school kids and the players will slap fives with them. And so it really is a culture that they're building there in Camas County as well. It's been, it's been pretty fun to watch this program. And yeah, I, I like them to get to the semis certainly. And then at the, the very last game on the bottom half of the bracket to me is probably this is the most intriguing one to me of, of this quarterfinal round guys, where you've got Rockland coming off a bye, hosting tri Valley. Now tri Valley beat Lewis County by 10 last week, 32 to 22 Lewis County actually led this game in the second quarter, 14 to six, but the Titans score 20 unanswered points. They score, they get a turnover, they score, they get a turnover and they score. And all of a sudden you blink and it's 26 to 14, Tri Valley at halftime will and and Coach Monty Madrell said it after the game we just we didn't take care of the ball as as well as we normally do and then hats off to Tri Valley for the win. Yeah, those those turnovers obviously it's it's one thing to give the ball away and then it's just the twist of the knife to then immediately give up a touchdown and then to just to do it bang bang and have a game swing the way it did and 
you know, a very different game from when these guys played a few weeks ago. And it looked like they were playing Tecmo Bowl against each other. It was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. This game, the defenses came to play. The coaches made some great adjustments. Um, the teams just, you know, they knew each other, right? The, the familiarity was obvious. And um, it led to a, a very competitive game. And the difference was uh, those couple of turnovers and Tri-Valley's ability to, to capitalize on them. Yeah, Jace Wagoner scores on a pair of touchdown runs for Tri-Valley. He also threw a touchdown pass to Clayton Harper. Harper and Gage Warren score touchdown runs. Uh, Gage Crow, three rushing touchdowns for Lewis County. Coach, uh, what what do you prefer as a coach? Do you prefer seeing a team you've played before, or do you like facing the new unknown mysterious opponent? We, I've always kind of liked the the mysterious one, honestly. I've always felt a little more comfortable with that Uh them not knowing the skill level, the the toughness of my team in person, you know, that kind of thing, and being able to just open up the playbook and just go attack right off the bat. Because sometimes that um, rematch is, uh, is a little difficult, and uh, you just never quite know because you learn a little more about each other, and, and kids kids think differently. I mean, we're 16-year-old kids here. But uh, that, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup with Rockland and Tri-Valley. I, I I agree with you there. I don't know which way that one's going to go. It'll be a, it'll be a, an interesting match. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting game because this game this game kicks off Saturday one o'clock on IdahoSports.com. Will and we know Tri Valley's got speed. Gage Warren's fast. Clayton Harper we know is fast. Has Rockland seen a team this fast this year? I don't know if they have. You know that's that's been a, a really good question. I believe they played. Uh, Camus earlier this year, so they saw them. Um, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, Camus beat on them pretty good. But the thing that I've been really impressed with Coach Hunter and, and his team over there in Rockland is they've just progressively gotten better. And I was talking to uh, I was talking to a fan a couple of weeks ago who said basically the same thing you did. You know who have they who have they beat? And I'm like, and and it's a fair question. It really is because you know they haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, by perception, they haven't seen a whole lot of that top end. Um, but at the same time, they haven't exactly been winning 14 to 12. Um, they've been taking care of business in very impressive fashion more often than not. And and that's that's usually what I look at. You know, if, if you're going to ask me how good are they, I'm going to say, well, what do you want them to do? They won 60 to 12 or they won 58 to 20 or whatever it was. They're doing what a good team should do. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend because I do think that this is a much more, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more levelness to this game. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how Rockland responds to that. But they have, you know, they have one of the great unicorns of eight-man football in Teague Matthews, a six-foot-five quarterback who can beat with either his arm or his legs, just a tremendous athlete, a tremendous player. And, and Tri-Valley, I think, is going to have their hands full trying to contain it. So Rockland, we know, has gotten to the quarterfinals a lot over the years. But it has been, and, and we got this from Kip Wilson, who's uh, a, an assistant coach for Rockland um, and, and also coaches their track and field athletes, and he's, he's a great guy. It's been 36 years since Rockland has been in the semifinal round. So Rockland's good at getting there, but taking that next step, guys, 36 years. He says the last time Rockland played in November 
where the day of the week, the date on the month was a double digit. So, you know, like November 10th or later, he said his wife was a junior in high school and a member of the Rockland cheerleading squad. Yeah. And Kip would keep track of that. I'm sure that's an <laughs> accurate thing right there. Uh, yeah. Rockland has been in that bracket a lot that uh, exited early. And I, I think it's really going to come down really to who wants it most. I, I, I like Tri-Valley speed. I like Rockland's determination, but really who wants this thing the most? Well, what, where are you leaning in this one? I'm leaning Rockland, but not by a landslide. I don't think it's going to be 70 to eight or any such thing. Um, I just, I think again, home field, um, you know, it may not be the NFL. It may not be SEC football, but home field matters. Uh, and, and Garden Valley for the second straight week, having to take a bit of a lengthy road trip to play a good opponent. Um, it, I think it's going to matter. And I think Rockland's, I think Rockland will get it done. Yeah, and another cool wrinkle we're going to be featuring on Saturday during this broadcast, Paul Kingsbury and Logan Green will be on the call. Rockland last week, Coach, just won the 1A Boys Cross Country Championship by two points over Big Bad Victory Charter, a school that's got probably double the enrollment of Rockland. Um, and, and so it came down to points from the – Yeah, it could be triple, yes. It came down to uh, basically the number six and number seven runners. And number six runner for Rockland – just had an emergency appendectomy, like, I don't know, uh, 13 days before state cross country. And he got out there and gritted it out and, and got the two points that Rockland needed to get the win. How cool is that? Yeah, I was there watching that. And, uh, it was, it was really cool to see those guys compete and then to see the scoring afterward, but, uh, both great, great teams, great runners at the top and great, uh, participation all the way around. But congratulations to Rockland on that. Yeah, so at halftime of, of the football game Saturday, we are going to try and uh, get Rockland's cross-country coach uh, for a halftime interview to talk about that incredible journey to their first cross-country championship. It should be a good time and even more reason to tune in on Saturday on IdahoSports.com. Well, gentlemen, we've set the table. We've laid out all the uh, the plates and, and the silverware, and now it's time to find out which teams are going to eat and get their fill and which team's coming back to the table for seconds next week in the semifinals. Coach, it should be a really fun slate of games this weekend. Yeah, it should be some interesting things going on and uh, looking forward to, uh, to hearing and watching some of those for sure. I'm, I'm know, headed to ISU to see ISU and Weaver State on Saturday. Um, okay. That'll be a fun battle. <laughs> they've got a they've got an eight manner on the two deep there for Idaho State. Quade Renfro from Horseshoe Bend. Yeah, you, you know what they call him, guys? They call him the Hammer from Horseshoe Bend because he plays oh, really? safety. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, and if I'm ISU, hey Teague Matthews, come talk to us seriously. Like <laughs> he took an unofficial to Utah last week. Ooh. You know, top ten in the country, Utah. So he's. He's on some radars. He's not a mystery. Yeah, that's for sure. That That's a cool deal. Well, enjoy the game uh, Saturday, Coach. Be sure to tune in to IdahoSports.com as you're traveling over. Will, 24 quarterfinal games going on across the state of Idaho. Uh, 5A all the way to 1A D2. IdahoSports.com is going to be broadcasting 17 of the 24 in some form or fashion. That's a pretty good percentage there. That is. That's a lot of clicking around for me over you know Thursday through Saturday. That's right. And I personally am on the call for three eight-man games, and that's it. No 11-man football for this guy. I'm leaning like all the it. way in. I like, <laughs> I like it. 
<laughs> all right. Well, if you want to see the full schedule of games we're covering, all you have to do is click on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com. But until then, for Coach Lane Kirkland and Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the quarterfinal competition, everybody. And we'll see you back here next week for the semifinal edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prepcast on idahosports.com. <laughs>